0: I mean this is serious business educating children Mm. and so educating any child and so I think you have to be careful Mm. that you don't just decide I'm just going to do three subjects every year. (laughs) I mean a transition is one thing but you but there you do your children do need more than those three things.
1: Welcome to Classical Etc. You're in the studio with Memoria Press.
2: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Classical Etc. I'm Jessica Gardner, and I am here today with Paul Schaefer, Tanya Charlton, and Martin Catherine. How is everybody? Good.
0: Cold. Okay? I'm cold. 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 <laughs>
2: yes. It is January when we are recording this. In Kentucky. In Kentucky, single digits. And even though we're just turning second semester of the school year, this is the time that Memoria Press families are thinking about next year. This is a time of year we get a lot of questions about curriculum. And today we're going to answer one of those common questions, our grade packages. How to do it, what you can include, what you can skip, and how to feel confident making those decisions. I'm excited to talk about it. We're gonna learn a lot. I'm gonna learn a lot. But before we dive in, as always, what are we reading? And I'm gonna start with Paul. Oh. Because yesterday you completely destroyed one of my favorite authors. Paul. Paul. A oh. more
1: tools. Oh, oh! Oh, you did not. Oh, God, you did. Gracious. You
3: did not. I, I heard this today it. too. That, that you didn't <laughs> like my gentleman. This always got.
1: comes up. Are you serious? No. Okay. Let me clarify. <laughs> let me clarify. Every time somebody wants to speak to me of him,
2: <laughs> is they, that
1: a lot, Paul? Does- it actually has happened a lot in this uh, office. That's because I wonder why is, that is. He's such a good author. It is. It is. That, that is what is said, right? Like the expectations get very, very high of this author. And I have read, I've read Gentleman Moscow. I've read The Lincoln Highway. And I've read Rules of Civility. Cibili- and every single one of them, I thought, hmm, I don't regret reading that. But I also wouldn't like raise it to the level that everybody else is raising it. And so
3: it's just. You does, know does that say more about the book or about paul
1: no no it's it, I think it, it has to do with the expectations that are being set so for, for you know I would have no problem telling somebody yeah it's a good book if you're looking for something good modern to read that's decent sure read it but if if you're you know if your expectation is coming from um people involved in the classical movement that are looking for really good books And, and so it's highly recommended. No, it doesn't raise, rise to the level of, of Tolstoy or Dickens or anything like that, but that's the way it was talked about to me. So. I think Hmm.
0: that he is one of the, he is at the top of my contemporary authors list. Same here. I'd say he's in my top three. If somebody said, who's your favorite contemporary writer, he would definitely be in the running. Yeah. So I'm going to disagree. I don't well, feel like
1: I need to have a favorite contemporary author, so I, I. That's why I. Well, you know, Martin once recommended to me that I ought not to read a book unless the author's been dead for fifty years. Yes,
0: well, Martin recommends a lot of things that he then <laughs> does not actually, actually do into was, his own life. Well, right,
1: but I think <laughs> in this was one case where he's not living up to it. But uh, but I like to live up to that. Because it it feeds my soul. But you I love J. you I, loved J. Crow. You loved
0: J. Crow. I do.
1: I do. There's. It's a rare. It's a rare book. And and this was. This was. I was told this was gonna like this gonna blow my world. It was gonna be great. And I read the *Gentleman in Moscow* and it was a nice book, but it just wasn't. It just. I, my my expectation—I should have just gone into it for entertainment rather than great ideas. Mm. But I go into every book looking for great ideas when it gets recommended to me by certain people, and it just wasn't there.
2: So, so what are the great ideas you're reading now?
1: It well, be I'm good. getting back into War and Peace, um, but I actually brought—I thought I thought a little a little prop was helpful, <laughs> so. Martin, because he gave me a used book Yes. for yes. the book exchange. Yes, He did. He came by my desk the other day and he gave me a new book, which he's mentioned on this podcast already. Sharp's tiger. Um, and so I'm excited about this book and I think this will be a nice pleasure reading, but not great ideas mm-hmm. book. And so my expectations are properly set here. And so this is, I'm excited for this one. What's the full title? Uh, could Let's you, just read all of this. Read all of this. Mm. Sharpe's tiger in which Richard Sharpe avoids Sergeant Obadiah Hawkswill and endeavors to rescue a British officer from under the nose of the Tipu of Mysore. <laughs> How can you resist that? <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not going on my reading list. Well,
1: and this uh, up here, it says the siege of Seringapatam. Don't
3: Seringapatam.
1: Don't Seringat- Seringapatam <laughs> in 1799. Wow. So, I, how do you find this stuff? You find the most obscure
3: things. Uh, you know, I'm trying to remember why I chose to. I listened to the book, and it's it. It's uh, I forget the name of the the narrator, but he's he's just perfect for this book. So the Audible is very good on this. Um, but uh, Bernard Cornwell has been called the the greatest historical novelist writing, and he's still writing. And this was so popular that there are now, uh, 22 in the series oh and it, it's, it's, a. Uh, so there's is this the first one. It Yes. It's the first in chronology, although it's not the first he wrote. Somebody mm-hmm. told me, but I just love this book. I was completely captured by it. It is really well written. It, it's a, it's a setting I love, which is British India. I, I really, that's an interesting time period. I've read a lot of books in, that, that, uh, are set in that period. um, And um, and so I I, I guess that's I I can't I can't remember why I decided to read it, but I've read two of them. It is a staple on British television. There's a a Sean Bean plays Sharp in the British uh, series. You can find it streaming. I watched the first episode and it just didn't have the. Magnitude of the book, so well. Yeah. No matter what
1: Martin says, I'm keeping my expectations in the field of <laughs> entertainment. Entertainment pleasure reading, not not great ideas reading. I dare but you not to like that book. I look forward to it. I still haven't read that used book you gave me, but I look forward to that too.
3: <laughs> he's complaining
0: <laughs> <laughs> that a book he hasn't even read. Well, it's <laughs> just he's complaining because it was ugly and used, and you didn't take the time to go out and buy him a Christmas present. Why, well, I. I
3: you literally I spent the night before weeks in used bookstores looking for that book for him.
0: No, you did not.
3: Well, okay, <laughs> <laughs> Martin, what are you reading these days? Well, I because just to avoid having to say the same thing over mm-hmm, again, mm-hmm. Um, one of the authors I just love, and and this is one of these books that my wife and I listen to, like when we're going to visit our kids in Lexington or something. We've got an hour in the road, um, which is. Um, uh where'd it go? I just had it up here. Um I don't know where it went. <laughs> And, and this is, I'm doing what, well, I'm doing what. Uh, You're Googling. Tanya did, it's already. Right. <laughs> okay. It's by Rick Bragg, Where I Come <laughs> From. Rick Bragg is, he's a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, but he, he, write, He always wrote feature pieces. If you, if you get, if you get a copy of Southern Living Magazine, he writes the, the column right at the end, a very short column. Is he for still Southern doing that? Yes, he is. <laughs> and so, um, so I read one or two of those. I thought, who is this guy? He just, he's, he's Southern.
0: You and I read a book by him.
3: Um we did. Because I can't we talked it about is. it. Yeah, I can't remember what it but um he's a southerner and he writes as a southerner. Mm-hmm. And there's all the all that metaphorical poetic language and everything I think he writes, I I have just absolutely loved. He is
0: a He's a yeah, good writer. there's a
3: book called My Southern Journey, and it's a most a lot of his uh, writings are just collections of his essays he's written for different magazines. My Southern Journey. If you want to know what the South, the American South, is. Read, read the, the introductory artic, uh, uh, essay in My Southern Journey. And or it's read just,
0: Flannery O'Connor. <laughs> <Or Eudora laughs> That's a little, little different
3: tea. angle on things. Or Faulkner. Uh, but my parents were both from the South. My mother was from Georgia. My dad was from South Carolina. And so, like, yeah. these are my people. Uh, and, and, and he writes about Southerners and Southern life and Southern food. Mm. Uh, and it's just totally compelling. He has a book about his mother's cooking. And it's just, it's called My Mama's Kitchen – and he, um, he has um, a, a, re- a bunch of recipes and each recipe, there's a story behind it, a family story. Mm. So it's a whole chapter. And so it's fun to read the story. They're like all of his stories. And then, uh, and then he's got the recipe and he tells how his mother, you know, he says, well, well, mom, how, how, exactly how much salt you, well, just a pinch, you know, uh, just, just a dab, just a, you know, that, that was his mother's language. So he, he preserves all that. Hmm. And, 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 and I've, I've made a couple of the recipes and they're great. I love Southern cooking.
0: But how about you, Tanya? Well, I'm going to repeat myself for the next six months. <laughs> I'm reading War Warren Peace.
3: Okay. We just, yeah, let's just, <laughs> just d- move put on. this discussion under Here's wraps. the thing for is six I can't months.
0: read anything else right now because we're going to meet about it next week. And I still have 200 pages to go mm-hmm. in the part that we're going yeah. to talk about next week. So I just, that is literally, oh, I've got to read The Door in the Wall, because we're going to, oh. Dana and Lee and I are going to work on The Door in the Wall. So I do have to do that, but it's just got to be just War and Peace for me right now, which I just read, I don't know, are you finished with Volume 2? no. Have you read the conversation between Pierre and Prince Andre about God when Andre says, mm-hmm. or when?
1: I mean, uh, I did fifteen years ago, but I haven't recently.
0: It is so good. It's mm. brilliant. Mm. So get there.
3: i'm I'm working on it.
0: It's really. That is you know the funny thing about Tolstoy
3: is he was not Orthodox. He was not an Orthodox Christian. He was almost a Freemason or something. Hmm. But his well, this, novels so, rise above that. They're, so Pierre has become a Mason.
0: That. He's not going mm-hmm. like to a church. He's right. literally joined the Masons. Yes. And Andre is um, living. He's, well, I won't, we don't need don't to talk about it. Don't spoil it. We don't need to talk well, about all it.
3: Well, the, there's a lot of characters in his novels who are masons and they're always very positively portrayed Mm -hmm. uh he he clearly admires them um and so like you know in that in that inevitable comparison between tolstoy and dostoevsky Mm. uh tolstoy writes better christian novels i think than dostoevsky even but his actual theology that he the beliefs he holds to are not as orthodox as Dostoevsky. Mm-hmm. Dostoevsky is very orthodox hmm. in his beliefs. Uh but somehow again his novels rise above his theological limitations. It's really well, and he, I mean he
1: makes orthodox theological points yes. like I mean when Levin goes to confession and, yeah. and I, like yeah. I mean there's there's mm-hmm. really I mean he he portrays the faith beautifully mm-hmm. right and Kitty's ability to to the dying and as an agnostic he has no idea how to handle that right like there's 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 a lot of good points that he makes
3: about the faith yeah and about about how seeing Christ in somebody is more powerful than any argument and Mm -hmm. that Kitty Mm -hmm. serves that role I think Mm -hmm. in Anna Karenina
2: what are you reading last night I just started a book I've read probably four times Heinz Feet on High Places you ever heard about it? I, I have heard of uh, that. It's beautiful. It's an allegory by Hannah henard She she wrote a couple books and I think it's from the 60s. Um It's older. It is older. It, it's beautiful.
3: It's one of those ones that it, 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 my wife has on the shelf and I have no idea what it's oh, about. Oh,
2: it's so good. I try to read it once a year. It's short. It's mm. probably not even 100 pages. So, yeah. Wow. Time to revisit.
0: That's your book mm-hmm. that you read over mm-hmm. and over mm-hmm. well oh shane's was the iliad oh was it homer he reads every year
1: uh i think i feel mm-hmm. like he had more than one that he read that he every, year. every year mm-hmm. mm.
0: i don't have a book i reread oh. every year
2: i try to read a severe mercy too oh gosh mm. that's good it'll gut you <laughs> yes yes it will Ugh. very beautiful though well speaking of beautiful our. <laughs> uh materials here at the press specifically our grade packages is what we're going to discuss today and I'm excited about it because we get a lot of questions this time of year about how to do it how to put them together and I want to start with you Tanya because you feel these questions a lot and you walked your students your children through Memoria Press in its beginning so you had to make these decisions for your own children. When you hear a question from a parent about okay, I'm approaching a a grade level for my student. What are their common
0: concerns? And where do you begin? Um, Placement is a common concern because their students don't necessarily place into an entire core package. Okay. So we have to talk about that. You know, our CSRs spend a lot of time just walking people through student by student and subject by subject. Um, Another common concern is how many books mm. are in a package. Um, it can be overwhelming. It looks overwhelming. It's certainly, there are, it is, I was just um, fielding complaints from our editors today because we're, you know, the changes that we continue to make, make their lives difficult. Um, but it's because it's a living, breathing organism. Mm-hmm. And it is all coming out of our classrooms you know right now they're right outside the door using Mm -hmm. the curriculum and trying to figure out you know what it needs to be and we we have added things that used to not be there okay um that we're not necessarily even using consistently in our classrooms like Mm -hmm. the um like the little american history supplemental sets those weren't there when i was educating my children but I would have had them in a library for them to read. And they're they're in all our classrooms, but it really is just up to our students to read them. Mm-hmm. Um, the science and enrichment books, our teachers don't really get to those at mm-hmm. all. And we really okay. only added those sets because the homeschool market wanted more science
1: okay. than
0: we were doing in K-2. to So that was, but that doesn't mean you know, that you need to buy all of that or have all of that. I always said, if you've got time, if you've got, as a homeschooler, if you've got extra time in your week and you want to do more, say the topic is um, how a plant grows and you want to do more, why not just go to the library and Mm. find some picture books on photosynthesis that are on your child's grade level and Use that as a great excuse for an outing. But then somebody recently, when I said that, said, well, you have to be so careful in libraries now Hmm. because the content of the children's books has gotten ridiculous and political. And so, you know, where I used to just be able to turn my children loose, I can't really, they can't do that now. They Hmm. have to just stay right there and make sure that book is it's something that they would want their child to read so that's sad that's a sad thing um, mm-hmm. though i think those are the major questions is how to get it all done mm-hmm. and 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 placement where does my child need to mm-hmm. start especially okay. if they're starting later
3: so you do it to balance i mean you, you know you i know my, my wife str- struggled and and this was this is before we had a lot of the material we have now because they uh, we were developing all that stuff when my kids were young But you you have to balance that fitting things to your child with fitting the child to something outside themselves, which they need to learn how to do also. And you can't totally tailor a curriculum totally to your child. And so maybe, you know, if the math is just too hard, it's beyond them. Maybe you need the one before uh, to, to prep for that. And it's always, you know.
0: But it doesn't mean don't do math. <laughs> it doesn't mean don't do math. Right.
3: Mm-hmm. That's I mean, some people, that's they, they, they want to cater to mm-hmm. their children's interests mm-hmm. all the time. That's not good for children. Ultimately, mm-hmm. they need to know that they are going to face some difficult things in life that they don't want to deal with. And they need to learn how to deal with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do try to Calibrate what you're teaching them to where they are, and of course, if they are struggling, don't don't push them forward in something they're really not capable of doing. Mm. Put them back, and even if they've had that part before, have them do it again. It's not it's it's not that big a deal. And homeschoolers mm. have an always have an inferiority complex about things, mm. and they think, oh, I mean. And maybe it's not that way anymore, but I remember my wife was was always thinking I should just put them back in school because they're 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 not going to be uh, uh they're well, not they going to be at to the be same right. level as the other. Well, it turned out it was exactly the opposite. But mm-hmm.
0: um, I do think we have more security yeah, now. I right. think as homeschoolers, mm-hmm. I think we do mm-hmm. believe that we are doing a better job.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and one thing I would say is like as far as what we've developed for the homeschooler, I I remember sitting. I mean, in, in Mrs. Lowe's classroom and, and she was assigning that we would go home and make flashcards. Um, and it was actually a great, a source of great embarrassment when my mother found all my flashcards a few years ago (laughs) because, you know, my chicken scratch handwriting back then was was horrible. Um, but you know, now we have flashcards that, you know, people can buy, right. Instead of, um, having the child make their own, because why, I mean, As a child, you make your own, you're you're always making spelling errors. And so what you're reinforcing is, Mm -hmm. you know, unless you're very diligent about it, is 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 going to be mistaken. But but there is actually, if if you can enforce the child to copy it properly, there is a learning Like there, there is additional learning done by them making it themselves.
0: And again, I think that depends on the child. mm -hmm, You know, some if they're not paying any attention to, if they're just copying and paying no attention at all, they're not really learning the meaning of a word.
1: And so, is it worth your time to just have those flashcards provided for you versus making them yourself? Because I mean, I've talked to so many parents at homeschool conventions. Like, do I really need them? Well, we can take them out of the package. That's fine. Mm. It's totally up to you. But if you want. If you want this added resource, it's here for you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. And I would have killed for them because (laughs) my kids did such an awful job on flashcards. And I would have loved to have had that resource without Mm -hmm. having to use their homemade flashcards that were awful. But Mm -hmm. then in the classes that I taught, some of the girls had beautiful, Mm. mainly girls, (laughs) beautiful flashcards. With flowers and borders. <laughs> hey. And they, I mean, they were it was they were really nice. And I thought I could have used these at home. But so it really does. And depend. the
3: boy was really smart, he'd get the girl next to him to do his that's for him. So right. that's, he and he they'd be read beautiful. what is his, what supposed to be. <laughs> and those boys aren't that smart. <laughs> no, they aren't. <laughs>
0: but we've added things too like um like for Christian studies. We added mm. copy books for the yes. scripture verses that yes. they memorized yes. because our teachers were having our students write those verses in just a regular notebook, and they thought it would be nicer for them to have the verse beside them so that they, again, spell everything correctly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and and so we've added those that are really not necessary, supplemental, or they are supplemental, okay. but it does make the teacher's life easier mm-hmm. just to be able to say do this in your copy book instead of get out of sheet of paper. And now here's, I've got to find the verse in the Bible that you need to copy. Um, So a lot of this stuff is just really up to your personal situation. And I think honestly, you know, you were talking about dealing with the student, but I think the, a lot of the questions, I think, we hear just as many questions from parents, teachers, either in schools or homeschools, who are trying. They're the ones that are struggling. The student's not really the one struggling. The parent is struggling with getting it, it done and okay. how to organize it. I think and that's true. Yeah, how to teach it and just and and some insecurity. Am I teaching this in the right way? Mm-hmm. And so, so I do think that. There's a learning curve, and I I wouldn't always, especially for schools, I would not recommend doing like a clean, for a school, a clean, we're changing every single subject all at once, and the teachers have to learn everything new. But we have a lot of people, a lot of homeschoolers who do that, and they do struggle at the beginning. But we've got on our forum... They really help each other. And, so you know, they've come up with ideas that I never would have thought of, like staggering your start. Mm. Just Mm -hmm. start one subject per student and add a subject a week. Or start one student. Start your young student. Or your older student. Or your older. Do that for a week and then... Right. And so there's all kinds of help where they have figured it. They've helped us. Mm -hmm. A lot of the new things that we've developed have been because... We have listened to their feedback and they have helped us, school teachers as well as homeschoolers. Um, and we get a lot of that information on the forum. Um, and they feel they know that we are listening, I hope, mm-hmm. and that we're going to help them. But a big change that we made was dropping a full comprehensive English grammar program. So that did simplify things because we recognized that. We were spent when I taught the first year, I was spending an hour a day teaching Latin and an hour a day teaching English grammar, and it was too much. It was the same mm. thing, really. And so, we, when we figured that out, that really freed up and some consolidated. Time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, if
2: I was a homeschool parent looking at, say, pick any grade, the sixth grade package or any package, what would you say to help me feel more free to? To what is essential to know mm-hmm. what's essential and what can I say you know what we're going to do that a different way or a different year we, we get that question a lot what do I have to have so that I, I know that my child won't be behind in seventh grade right. or if they feel like there's kind of a turning point here that's a big year I don't mm-hmm. want to leave anything out what's <laughs> what's yeah what's your advice on that who are you asking any of
1: us
0: I feel like I've talked a lot
1: Well, I I would say there's not a good way to answer that in a, in a broad general way, right? Like every grade is going to have its particular um, things that are being covered, right? So do you really need to spend a year, let's say you're transitioning in, um, I guess that would be the sixth grade year uh, with uh, birds in the history of medicine. Do you really need to spend a year doing that stuff? It's good it's worthwhile. It ought to be done. But if you're transitioning to Memorial more, Press in that year and you're sitting here going, we're adding Latin and we haven't done Latin before. We're, you know, now I feel like we're two, two levels behind in composition and you know, like, okay, I've got all this other stuff. You might just not do that science for a year because you know, the next year you're going to be, you can, you'll be able to add it in, mm-hmm. you know? And, and there is a danger there. If you get complacent of like, I, I don't need to do this subject, right? That, no, you need to, if you, but if you have a sort of a staged um, sort of plan of like this year, we're going to cut out, you know, a subject or two that is, that is not like you have to do physical science to be ready for biology and chemistry and physics. Really. You can't cut that out. But in the earlier years you could,
3: right? Right. You can so even
0: th- just give your child the birds book to read right. and the medicine. No, or or, to work.
3: or right. you can also use the summer for some of those things. Right. Yes. Yep. I mean, studying birds like, 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 Right now, there's no nature going. It is, it is 12 <laughs> degrees Bleak. outside. Nothing is happening. They've yeah. all gone south for the winter. Um, so why wouldn't you do birds in the summer when you can put a bird feeder out there? Or trees. Or my, well, my mm-hmm. wife always did. Or trees mm-hmm. when they actually have leaves right. and, and this sort of thing. So some of those things can, you know, you could just you do the rest of the stuff way. and then do the nature study. But
0: as far as what mm-hmm. is in necessary in the grammar school... If you're going to do a classical education, you need to be doing some Latin. Okay, you got to do math, Mm -hmm. Um, literature. Oh, lit for sure.
3: Latin, math, and literature. You can do nothing else. Do Latin, math, and you can always if you want to include Christian (laughs)
0: studies. You know, for us, Christian studies is an academic subject, Mm -hmm. and so you can skip that and just do you know do your Christian studies together as a family. Whatever your whatever you choose to do and skip it as an academic subject. I wouldn't skip it forever as an academic subject because I think no. it's one of the most valuable that things that we have. That knowledge is important. That knowledge mm-hmm. is, and we are becoming illiterate about, you know, mm-hmm. with, with biblically. Like the context and of I it. think this is really mm-hmm. important. I, am ju- I think my son's Christian studies years with Cheryl Lowe were really essential Mm. For them to know what's in the Bible, where it is, um, before then they start actually um, building their faith. I think that having that knowledge is was a huge gift.
3: Yeah, and you know, I went to Christian schools in growing up in California, where they have nature all year. By the way, um, <laughs> I, I I went to to Christian schools and mostly Missouri Synod Lutheran schools. Mm. Um, and I didn't realize so much later in life, you know, you're making this point about the importance of Christian studies. Right. I didn't realize till much later in life the influence that that had on me. The mm-hmm. things that I knew because we, we talked about them and right. we memorized the Ten Commandments and we memorized certain Bible verses mm. and we had a basic, a mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. basic theological understanding that was just, uh ingrained and and that is so important i i mm-hmm. don't know what it would be like to not have had that and try to learn that later mm-hmm. that'd be a weird experience for, mm-hmm. huh? so so i i do think that that is fundamentally important and i do think making it a family studies I mean, just, just take what one where one of them is in the christian studies program right. and have all and of it them all being together there. Yeah, that's that's the other things there's certain things that you can do together now, you can't do it with latin And you can't do it with math. Those are systematic subjects. Mm -hmm. But other subjects, you can adjust between grades up two or three Mm -hmm. grades. And just have them, if they're close enough, have them all do the same history together. Have them do the same. Sometimes you can do that with literature. Sometimes you can't. But you can find something in the middle of where they are. And just go up the grades that way and have Mm -hmm. them all do the same year of that. Sometimes that's what you've got to do. and, And it works. Let me ask
0: you a question. Do you think logic's essential?
3: Well, I think that by the time you get to uh, a, a, a stage that you are able to learn logic, which is really only in high school, right? I think it's much easier. You, you should have gotten all those basic things up to that point. Mm. Uh, I do think you need to do it before you get out of high school, definitely that 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 is i mean to, to me it's very much a follow on to the to the critical thinking skills training you're getting in grammar and math logic is the latin, next step yes. after that
2: mm-hmm. that's helpful and it so my, one of my takeaways is math latin and literature are the essentials mm-hmm. and then outside of that as a homeschooler i can feel empowered to just kind of look at the arc of our year the arc of the family are there kids in similar grade ranges? And what do we want to do with our summers or our breaks or our family time? And just feel free to make it work with our lives. Mm-hmm. But I think and also, include the
0: essentials. You've, you've got to, I mean, this is serious business, educating children mm-hmm. and so educating any child. And so I think you have to be careful mm-hmm. that you don't just decide I'm just going to do three subjects every year. I mean a transition is one thing, but you but there you do your children do need more than those three things.
1: Right? And and in a homeschool setting, you really can get stuff done I mean depending on the child, more quickly than in a school setting, right? Because you just need that one child to get it and you off off you go. And so um I mean the the, the main thing that I would say is that um is I really want people to know that we will help you customize this Mm -hmm. for your child. Just because we say, here's first grade, here's second grade, here's third grade, doesn't mean that we expect that everybody's doing, when they're doing third grade, they're doing exactly those things. That's right. But that, you know, either via phone call, email, in person at a convention, whatever it is, we're happy to walk walk through it with you subject by subject and and you let us know where your child is And we'll help place you there, and and you know then we can understand that you you where you feel you're maxing out, mm-hmm. right? And, and help. But you through school,
0: that. you know, this is school ought to take, depending on the age of the child. But for and say an older grammar school student or a high school student, they should be spending five or six hours a day mm-hmm. on schoolwork because what else are they doing? They mm-hmm. need to they need to be working hard.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the manuals
2: that come in our packages are so clear and helpful with every well, subject. I, so. and <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, I think they are with how much just an average for how to fit this
0: in and the right. hours throughout the day, where to put everything. Right. So it's, yeah. but, if, but you don't want to, it's just a fine line. Like mm-hmm. at what point does it become overwhelming? Mm-hmm. And if it does, then what's wrong?
3: Mm-hmm. Um, can I address a question? that I get frequently in the booth at a conference, sure. for example, and that is Latin. Okay. So you have a, a family and they're just starting Latin and they've got a sixth grader and a fifth grader and a third grader. Mm. And they think they have to teach each one a, a, using a different program or something. And I almost always tell them, look, take all three of them and just start with Latina Christiana and And then next year, you go on to the next one, and so that you have enough time still even with a sixth grader, right you've got plenty of you've got time. you've got plenty of time mm-hmm. and so it, doing things because I, I, I said before you you can't do that with math and Latin and you, you can do it with Latin if they're all starting sure. you know then, then you can mm-hmm. dictate what happens thereafter. Just put them all in the same program. Do the same thing. It's, it's going to be really easy for the sixth that's grader. That's about, okay.
0: Right. But that's about the last year I would
3: do that. Yes, I would say. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. If it's if a seventh grader, to, I'm right, thinking maybe you want to start with first form. Go ahead to yeah, first but, form. But that
0: but, right. child should be able to be more independent anyway. Right. And then you're going to spend your time in Latino with that's the right. younger students. That's right.
1: I will say that the families I've seen that have started with their oldest child in kindergarten are very happy just going one year to the next right? because it really, it p- doesn't it, change a lot. It doesn't. And it, mm-hmm. hu- it, it, it It takes away a huge weight of deciding like, what are we going to do this next year? Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. And oh, that was huge for me. Yeah.
0: Once I found Cheryl Lowe and didn't have to think about that anymore. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was a huge relief. Everybody else was running around trying to figure their stuff out and I was just going to do whatever she said. <laughs> and it, I mean, I, it was, it was a, Burden lifted. Mm-hmm. And and that's our hope with the curriculum packages.
2: Yes. It is, it is. It's a burden lifted. It's well, but the funny everything. thing is,
3: there are two kinds of homeschoolers. <laughs> All right. There's the homeschoolers who want everything prepackaged and regimented, and mm-hmm. that's good. They like that. Would there's be the me. other ones who me are too. just creative and they want it. They see yeah. this program over here, and they see that program over there. And I'd be willing to bet that the the, the person who stays on task with a, a regular structured curriculum probably gets more done than the person who is spending so much of their time looking for other stuff <laughs> yeah. rather probably than true. teaching. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't that's my that's my theory. But, but I would
1: say that uh, kind of harkening back to what Tanya was saying about the science and enrichment sets and things I like I know my mother spent so much time in trying to make sure that what was available at home, that we had plenty of things available at home to occupy us and making sure every single one of those things was going to contribute towards our education in some way, shape or form. Mm. And so what you, you you know, when you were bored, I mean, you talk about the, the history books you read, you know, as a kid, right? Like when you're bored, what do you do? You go, you'd go read, you know? And that, that I think paid dividends for me because it just put me in this at this sort of orientation of i can always learn mm-hmm. and that was huge
2: mm. yeah that well is. they had
1: to keep you busy you were a troubled child right i'm sure well, i was little paul i'm sure i was a little terror <laughs> <laughs> Oh well.
2: ending with little paul this has been a really good discussion i, I learned a lot um Thank you for joining us. We hope it was uh, encouraging. As you think about grade packages, you can find more about our grade packages at memoriapress.com. And you can also order a free magazine there. We'll ship it to you and all the great information is in there. Thanks for joining us. We'll
1: be back soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Classical Etc. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to check out all the other shows on the Memoria Press Podcast Network. This has been Classical Etc. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you again soon. You've been listening to the Memoria Press Podcast Network, providing a classical Christian perspective on the world of education. To learn more about Memoria Press, visit us at memoriapress.com. To connect with us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.